Welcome back to Kentucky History and Haunts. I'm Jesse Bartholomew, and I realized that I've been kind of heavy on the history lately and not so much the haunts, so I've got a little bit of a spookier story for you all today. Now, you've probably heard of John Bell Hood, and he has a pretty big role in this story. So John was raised in Owingsville near Mount Sterling, Kentucky, and he grew up near a pretty girl who was around his age named Anne Mitchell. John's father, Dr. John Hood, was a professor of medicine and really wanted John to go off to Europe and study medicine too, but that wasn't the life John wanted, and the life he got instead was a doozy. Instead of studying medicine, John went off to West Point in 1849 when he was 18 years old. And on his first trip home from college, he was amazed by how beautiful and grown up Ann Mitchell was. She was known as the Belle of Central Kentucky. And John had grown into quite the striking young man himself, and he caught her eye immediately upon his return home. And if you haven't seen a picture of John Bell Hood recently, go ahead and look him up. He was very handsome, I think. So they would take evening walks together and sit together at the Hood residence overlooking the orchards and everything was just dreamy. But he had to go back to West Point and this other guy started hanging around and his name was Mr. Anderson or maybe Thomas Anderson. So we don't we don't completely know if his first name was Thomas. Some accounts think it was. I'm going to refer to him as Thomas just because it's better for storytelling. So Thomas was really into Anne, but the feeling wasn't mutual. Even though Thomas was from a super wealthy family and he was very persistent in trying to court her, she wasn't having it. But her family thought he would be a great potential husband for Anne, and he was offering to build a house for them and give her this great life. So things get kind of sad here. She finally gave in to Thomas and to her family and agreed to marry him. But she said, you know, I have to write to John and I have to tell him what's happening here. So she wrote to him and she told him, that she would eternally love him and vowed to, quote, walk the garden path by his side, whether in this world or the next. Romantic, right? So when John received that letter, he booked it home to Kentucky and told her to sneak out at dark to meet him. He was going to bring an extra horse and they were going to run away together. But right after she snuck out of the house, one of the Mitchell family's slaves realized that she wasn't in her bed, and she alerted the family, who promptly saddled up and went after her. And John and Anne had barely even gotten away from the house when the family caught up with them, and Anne was escorted back to her room, where she was locked up until her wedding day. Seeing as she had no choice at that point, she married Thomas Anderson, but boy did she resent him and her family. She was so unhappy, and she pretty much just sat around and sulked all day. And when she found out she was pregnant, nothing really changed. She was still very sad, and she refused to talk to her family. 
Jen had a baby boy named Corwin, and she did start speaking to her family again, but it was only to curse them. She cursed everyone in the household, quote, all who had any part in making me marry Mr. Anderson when my heart will always belong to John Bell Hood. And then a storm rolled in, and the sky grew dark, and the thunder bellowed, and then wouldn't you know it, lightning struck the corner of the home where Anne's room was. And it killed Anne, as well as one of her brothers who pushed her into marrying Thomas, and the slave who alerted the family the night she went missing when she tried to run off with John. And as you can imagine, the fact that she was known to be going around cursing everybody and then the lightning struck the house and killed these people, that flipped everybody out. And so the idea that there really was a curse kind of persisted after that and and sort of haunted people. When he was older, her son Corwin said he saw her walking the garden path near John Hood's home. And even though he was extremely young when she died, his description of her was spot on. As for Thomas Anderson, he enlisted in the Confederate Army, and shortly after he reported for duty, he just went missing and was never heard from again. But Corwin did pretty well for himself. He inherited some land and he grew wealthy, and he had two sons of his own, Isaac and English. Isaac was the younger boy, and he was known for just being a sweetheart of a kid. English, on the other hand, English was violent. Everyone knew him as a hothead. In 1891, he made a scene yelling at the family cook for his potatoes being undercooked, and even though the cook apologized, English stabbed him to death. He went on trial for that, claiming self-defense, and apparently because of his wealth and status, he was found not guilty. After that incident, the younger brother Isaac was riding around on a horse, surveying some of the land that they've shared, when he was confronted by English. In one version of this story, English cursed his brother in the voice of a woman that, quote, claimed the Anderson family had always tried to control the lives of others. And then English threw a brick right at Isaac's head, which knocked him off his horse and killed him instantly. And then farmhands rushed to tell Corwin what had happened between his sons, and Corwin had a heart attack, and he died too. And I guess there were no consequences for the murder of his brother because English continued living in Owingsville, just wreaking havoc. He, quote, seemed bent on destroying the Anderson family and fortune. People in the community kind of hypothesized that English's rage was actually like a manifestation of his grandmother Anne's anger and hatred. Anne's curse and English's violence were a scary combination. Now, English had a son of his, his own named Judson, love that name, in 1909. But even becoming a father didn't tame him. So later, English was in a knife fight, and he killed another man. And then shortly after that, he killed a young boy who'd been working on his farm. And in response, a furious group of farm workers stoned English to death. Judson, 
English's son and Anne's great-grandson, lived on the Anderson property for the following three decades. There are rumors that he was also haunted by Anne's ghost, which roamed the halls of the home and the gardens. And in the 1940s, he was obviously very unhappy, either because of the haunting or something else, or probably a combination of things. He was so unhappy that he waded into a pond in the garden and shot himself in the head. So the Anderson line ended with him. Many people have recalled seeing Anne's ghost wandering the Mitchell and Hood properties. She's been described as having a gentle presence, so a friendly ghost. Some have woken up to her sitting in their room watching them. Things have not been all peachy at the Hood house, though. The curse is believed to have lived on there, too. One owner committed suicide and another attempted suicide. And some say that John Hood himself was also afflicted by the curse, even though he was, you know, her love. So there are some conflicting accounts about when exactly John learned of Anne's death. Some say that he wrote to her the entire time he was fighting in the Civil War, which would just be so sad to me. And then others say he was extremely dedicated and focused on the war efforts and that she really wasn't on his mind at the time at all. Um... But regardless, after graduating West Point, John Hood served in a Texas regiment under the command of Lieutenant Colonel Robert E. Lee, who had actually given advice against, quote, forming a permanent attachment for some of these country lasses. Lee is also quoted as telling his soldiers, quote, Never marry unless you can do so into a family which will enable your children to feel proud of both sides of the house. Hood went on to become a commander in that Texas unit. In fact, there's speculation that Thomas Anderson actually served under him in that regiment, but that's unsubstantiated. And the more likely thing is that he really did go missing. The former just makes for a better story. But Hood's career was thriving, and he was gaining a lot of respect and notoriety. Unfortunately, he lost an arm at the Battle of Gettysburg, and his leg had to be amputated after the gruesome Battle of Chickamauga. Sorry. He went on to be promoted to full general and was only 33 years old when he, quote, assumed command of the Western Army. But man, after that, he took a lot of L's. First, he lost in Atlanta then really badly at the Battle of Nashville, which basically destroyed the Army of Tennessee. So he, he kind of had this curve where he was very successful and then kind of just not so much there at the end. His post-war life is kind of surprising. He didn't go back to Kentucky. Instead, he settled in New Orleans, attempting to run a cotton brokerage. And he married a woman named Anna Hennon, who was the granddaughter of a Louisiana Supreme Court justice. And they had 10 kids. Y'all, they had three sets of twins. Three sets of twins. And, you know, this was problematic because he was apparently not very good at running a cotton brokerage and they went bankrupt. He contracted yellow fever and he died in 1879. And tragically, his wife died too and their 10 children were left orphans. 
Even though I pretty much summarized their lives in this episode, I'll probably do an episode on John Bell Hood and his wife Anna, more specifically in a future episode. Anna's not from Kentucky, obviously, but she had an interesting life too. But I really wanted to focus on Ann Mitchell and her curse for, for this episode. And um, a descendant of John Bell Hood sued Life magazine in the 1940s for publishing a story about the curse. Uh, the story kind of made John out to be quite the womanizer, and his descendants really didn't care for that. And they settled out of court. So that is the story of the curse of Ann Mitchell. Thank you for listening to another episode. You can connect with the show on Instagram and Twitter at KY History Haunts and on Facebook under Kentucky History and Haunts. And there are links in the bios of all of those profiles that will take you to the podcast website. There's a support tab there where you can support the show for just 99 cents a month. And I would greatly appreciate it. A lot of work goes into these babies. So thank you for listening and until next time.